Welcome to Pro AV Now by MarketScale, your source for the latest news and innovations in the audiovisual world straight from industry professionals. Now, here's your host. Hey guys, it's Taylor Standridge and we're up for another episode of Pro AV Now. We're reaching near the end of October and we're just really excited to be joined by this guest. I'm uh, joined by Bryce Button. He's actually the project marketing manager for AJA Video Solutions uh, and we're happy to have him on board. So Bryce, I want to start off the interview right and just kind of get an idea of what you're doing. Would you explain what you do at AJA exactly? So my uh, role at uh, AJA Video Systems is I'm the director of product marketing worldwide. Uh, effectively, what that means is I help communicate um, what our products do uh, to the external world. To uh, By that, of course, I mean our end users, um, our partners, whom we work with many, many partners, and uh, effectively try to provide both marketing materials and education uh, educational materials so that people have a better idea of what types of solutions we're trying to provide for their various use cases. And uh, we have a very broad range of user types from pro AV to broadcast uh, television to, in fact, digital cinema. Um, so across the spectrum, anything to do with professional video, uh, whether it's corporate, uh, events, churches, um, television stations, cinema around the world, uh, we provide solutions that help them both create uh, and deliver the materials um, to the end user. Perfect, perfect. So, of course, this industry is really specific and in, in being uh, in the role that you are, what kind of brought you into uh, doing what you're doing now? Like, I'm sure there was something interesting that you just found absolutely amazing about this. What brought you into this? Well, I had a love from, for cinema from very young. Um, we had, I was largely raised in South Africa, and it so happened that we didn't get television until 1976. And at the time, um, my mother had been a theater producer, had done TV work in the UK, and she was actually asked to produce some television shows alongside other people she knew. And I started out as a bit of a child actor doing shows on TV. Um, and then I went to college and actually studied film and drama with a uh, major in economics because I understand the word show business had both things in it, um, shows and show and business. Um, and from there, I actually went into feature films, and uh, that's what I started out doing. In South Africa, I worked on a range of feature films very early in my career, doing all the gopher and horrible work that you tend to do when you're starting out. Um, you did some, you know, uh, basically uh, location management, that type of stuff uh, on shoots. And then um, from there, it was a tumultuous time in South Africa. That was the 80s. And uh, I had to leave due to all the politics and that were going on in the dying years of apartheid and landed up backpacking most of the year across Africa and making it to the United Kingdom. Um, when I got there, it turned out that at that time in history, there was actually more film production happening in South Africa than in uh, the UK. And... You know, going down to the union offices, trying to find a job, all that type of thing that you have to do. Uh, there really wasn't anything. So I did a, the usual thing of trying to get by with temp jobs, you know, doing photocopies, working in restaurants, all that kind of fun stuff. And at the same time, after speaking to a range of people, because I still love the industry, 
uh, it was recommended that I go into editing, um, and that that was because, in, in the view of many uh, editors or or some of the co-story writers of any given video piece, and it would give me some creative control, which I was always interested in. And so I went into editing, and uh, due to the fact that I met an American in London, I then landed up uh, eventually in New York and worked for one of the highest-end commercial editing houses in New York, uh, and you know started my life as an editor effectively. And for over ten years, owned my own editing companies uh, here in Denver, Colorado. Uh, but it was during this time period where things went from analog to digital. Uh, it appealed to both the geek in me and the creative in me. And I loved the tools, but all the tools being relatively young had issues. Um, and that led me to being interested in how does one create a better tool for visual artists and for editors and that kind of thing. And that's when I first started working with vendors um, on a contractual basis initially with Avid when they first created their editing systems. And over time, I landed up writing books for Apple, for Motion, and stuff like that. And then I found myself really fascinated by the uh, creation of the tools for our business uh, and landed up working for a few different companies, Media 100, uh, and then Autodesk, uh, where I was the famed demo artist for Hollywood. And then from there, I landed up at AJA. because in the early days of desktop editing, um, when Final Cut first emerged from Apple, uh, by far the best hardware on the market was AJ Video Systems, and I tried that competitors' products, and they certainly weren't up to the same level of professionalism or reliability. Um, so when I had the opportunity to join AJ, uh, I jumped on it, and so I've been with them almost ten years now, and. Uh, it's been a wonderful experience because, uh, as I said, we not, don't just sell to end users, but we also work with a lot of partners like Apple and Adobe and, and Avid and all of them. Um, and so I have found it a very rich and wonderful place to be in the sense that we're continuously helping drive leading technologies into the market, specifically aimed at helping creatives do more interesting, more compelling and uh, more challenging work. And that really is the excitement that still draws me today. So it sounds like you've been everywhere in the industry. I mean, you used to do a lot of creative stuff early on and you used to edit and now you're doing a lot of technical stuff here and you're still working with AJA. But I mean, you got to work with companies like Apple writing books for them. And now you're just making the video systems world even better just with what you guys are doing there. So I want to get technical right off the bat. So if they were to visit AJA.com, a listener were to visit that, they would definitely see HDR right off the bat. So for our listeners that may not be familiar with the HDR type technology, could you explain that a little bit further? Absolutely. So if you go down to your local Best Buy or Fry, uh, sort of large box uh, electronics retailer today or get on Amazon.com, for instance, uh, you'll find that all the latest sets have been offered with something called HDR. Sometimes it'll say uh, Super UHD. and UHD, for instance, just means uh, a large 4K image size. But what R is, is it's high dynamic range. And the point of a high dynamic range is it involves two key elements. One, a much higher contrast level. We got uh, much more latitude in the highlights, 
your highlights are much brighter. Uh, you also have a lot more detail in the blacks. And then on top of that, we have what's called uh, WCG, which is wide color gamut. And so that's a broader color spectrum than you would be used to with standard television. So what's effectively going on here is that there has been a drive uh, to bring to the home a more similar experience to what you might have in the cinema, whereby in the cinema, uh, due to the fact that you've got projection going on, you have very expensive projectors, of course, uh, that have always been capable of either displaying an image projected through film or digitally um, being able to use color spaces and luminance levels way beyond what the standard television set had. And the idea here is to bring this to the consumer level, which means the television, but also things like your iPhone. Um, and so what you're looking at is a much broader color spectrum and, and uh, luminance range. So technically, uh, when you watch HD television today, you're watching what's known as the Rec 709 color space. Uh, that was definitely an advantage over the smaller uh, range of colors and, and indeed resolution that was part of standard definition television. Uh, when we went to HD, uh, it gave the opportunity to expand the color space a little bit to 709, but the new standard is effectively known as BT2020. Again, these are all just technical standards for a creative desire. And with this wider color gamut, what you've really seen is a huge expansion in range of gradations through the greens, golds, uh, blues, and reds, um, but really dominant in, in, in the greens and golds. And uh, that means that you can finally see something at home or put in your Blu-ray disc that might have HDR uh, and see something that's a lot closer to the cinematic experience and indeed closer to what human vision has always been able to uh, understand or comprehend. So you're getting what can only be described as a simply gorgeous image, uh, and that's on top of resolution. So we can actually and do technically implement HDR even for HD. Um, so 4K is a larger resolution, which is effectively twice as wide, twice as tall as an HD signal. Can't really be perceived at home unless you have a television set that's 55 inches or larger because HD looks perfectly fine up until that size. Uh, but wider color, color dynamic range and wider luminance, in other words, again, that much larger contrast uh, can be uh, perceived regardless of resolution. So we believe that this is a fundamentally uh, breakthrough technology. Uh, and it's clear that others do too. Samsung's been driving this idea, Apple is effectively um, doing much the same thing with the latest iPhones, where they've got much deeper color support. Uh, they're currently supporting something known as the P3 standard, which again is uh, sort of a subset of that full BT 2020. What it means to you is you're going to be able to sit at home and just watch the most stunning images on any of the devices you might own. And that really is appealing for any creative artist. Well, I want to go back to you. You had mentioned uh, human perception a little bit earlier on. And um, I just wanted to see in terms of like visual display, why is uh, human perception so important to that? Because you do perceive when something is lacking, uh, you, you subtly realize that you are 
looking at something that is a pale reflection of the world around you. Uh, when you get to see HDR in its full glory, uh, and where you'll notice this most is if you purchase your first Blu-ray, for instance, or you buy the new Apple 4K HDR, Apple TV, you'll see that there are golds and greens that were always there. In other words, the camera had always been able to capture it, but you'd never gotten to see it unless you happened to see that piece in a cinema. Uh, and you're going to be able to see all this at home, and it's just much more relaxing to watch. There's a lot more perceived detail. In fact, a lot of people have seen HDR, HD thinking it's 4K. Um, but again, there's a difference between just resolution, which is more lines, so to speak, of, of resolution or more pixels versus color depth and luminous depth. And so brown textures, uh, you'll perceive textures, whether it's in the walls, uh, in the background, whether it's uh, arc direction, uh, you know, and with these larger pieces, whether it's television, um, big sports events even, or or just uh, epis you know episodic TV or, or films, a lot of money and effort has gone into creating these scenes for you to watch, and you really have been missing a ton of stuff watching these pieces at home because uh, the detail just hasn't really come through and the texture isn't there, um, and so you're going to find that this footage really is breathtaking, and I think when when BBC released Planet Earth uh, two with HDR. Uh, in the in the last year or so here, um, for those who've seen it in HDR, it really was an eye-opening experience. And it's as close as people are going to get to the real thing. We don't all get to travel to wonderful places like Borneo, but if you can actually experience what this might be like where you're in the environment, it, it really is quite stunning. Man, well, I, I, I tell you what, just from what you're saying, it seems like just increasing the amount of pixels isn't going to really do it. It's going to be focusing on the color and the texture. Would you say that's true? Absolutely. Of course, when you have the two together and you've got a large enough set, uh, a large enough set or display to watch it on, then uh, that, that wider color range, that uh, wider dynamic range combined with the resolution is even more stunning. Uh, but in most cases, folks today have their eyes glued to sets that are around, you know, 32 inches. Um, maybe they got a tablet at, at home. They're using the, their uh, iPad, that type of thing. Um, that wider dynamic range is much more important than just resolution. So, um, as I said, I, th I think it's it's a creative uh, tool. Uh, it gives the artist who's creating the piece in the first place a much wider palette to play with. And in terms of user perception, it's just simply more satisfying. Thank you so much for tuning in to Pro AV Now. If you want to hear the second half of this interview with Bryce Button from AJA, we're going to be releasing that next week, so make sure to follow us so that you are the first one to know whenever we do release it. We're on Twitter at Pro AV Now, and also our publication will have that information as well, marketscale.com. You've been listening to Pro AV Now by MarketScale. Join us every Wednesday for new episodes featuring conversations with industry leaders as we unpack the latest in everything from LED all the way to digital content. You can find us at marketscale.com and also on iTunes. Pro AV Now, your home for everything B2B and professional audio visual. We'll see you next time.